Hello and welcome to In The Pod, a place where we discuss mindset, creativity, growth, and positivity. Thank you for listening. Let's dive in. Nathan, our brother, how are you, man? You're good, man. Good. Good. It's good to see you. I'm glad you're able to sit down with me, man. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of talk, man. Talk about yourself, man. Just talk about um, how things are in this current situation that we're in. and Yeah. Um, just kind of dive in, man. So, so how are you? How you feeling? Honestly, I think that one, one thing that I would say that I feel the most is a little bit of kind of like a transcendence, right? Where it's been a lot of uh, worry and stress and going into just entrepreneurship in general over the past few years. And I think that the thing that's resonated most with me lately is getting comfortable with chaos and knowing how to organize your mind amidst so many different distractions that are now more prevalent than ever. That's kind of really what I feel like is like, I feel like I've been able to get a little bit of that clarity in a time where most people, don't, I guess, would say otherwise. <laughs> right, right, right. What's, uh, what's been helping you just with that clarity? Um, that's something I mm-hmm. you know, definitely can struggle with as far as sometimes like having clarity about the current moment, what to um, for you. I think the been? biggest thing is like, when you're thinking about like your objectives and where you want to go in, in direction, there's always like a, n- a number of different ways to get there. So you have to have that level of openness um, and that variability. And I've found that through getting enlightened through mentors. So like having the right mentors that have been through financial crisis in the past. Um, and then also is having a family that is able to be stoic, which means, you know, just being able to focus on the primary objectives and, and, the, and the basic needs. And maybe some of those distracting things that you were doing before aren't as important as you thought that they once were. Right. So I think it's prioritizing, finding good mentors, and having a good foundation in your household, I think is, is the only way you can get there. Sure, sure. So foundation, that's, mm-hmm. that's a lot of the base of, of what it is. What's, for you, how important is your family and, and even your friends, how important has it been to just make sure those relationships have been great during this time? I think it's they're as strong as they've ever been, largely because our background is, is not one of wealth, right? You know, the only thing that's ever held us together and where we are has been that sense of unity and purpose around really accelerating our family from poverty to being able to have a name for themselves one day. You know, so that's this this whole new normal for other people is the only thing I've ever known. Only I've ever known a struggle. The only thing I've ever known was challenges. So there's kind of this competitive side and this, um, I think, aggressive side that comes from people who have been through less than privileged situations. And even the privilege that looks like privilege comes with challenges, but I can't speak to that. I think that me, it's, it's just been really just acceptance of challenges and finding strength through that adversity. I mean, that's the only tattoo I have on my body. Uh, yeah, it's like, that's yeah. what I talk about all the time. And so I think that that's really what it is to me. And my mom and brother also believe in that same system, right? And when I was younger, the only thing that got me to school or even through college, anything was that support group. Me, my family, and my friends, we helped each other when others did not have things. So that's kind of what we gotta do now. You know, we gotta support local businesses. We gotta support each other. There's nothing different than the same thing that they say it takes a village to raise a child. It's really kind of how we should treat our, ourselves and our businesses is like that, that level of unity. Yeah, yeah, and it's for, just even the community standpoint of helping like locally and um, having that firm foundation. Not a lot of people have firm foundations and can kind of get lost in not really knowing what direction they want to take their support or what things mm-hmm. that they can do. And um, like you said, local and, and community is extremely important. 
Um, was that something, you know, early in, early on in life, you know, kind of talk about just, just growing up, um, you're from Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, from right outside of Milwaukee. And so my mom grew up in the inner city of Chicago in the Wild Hunters, if any of you guys know it. Um, and it's not a good area. You know, she was one of 11 kids, the youngest, I mean, the oldest, and had to raise all the rest of them in less than privileged situations. So, like, she had a level of adversity that, that trumps even what I went through, right? So then I look at, you know, where she went into after her, my father moving to Wisconsin and trying to really build a family for themselves that far too young, but it's okay. And at the end of the day, she just had this level of tenacity. Right. And so did my father. Uh, that really helped them to push through where they were at and um, eventually had to become a single mom. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it was just me and my brother until, you know, forever, still now. And we just had to grind and grow, and it really built that that really good focus. We also had to watch her mom like go through like lights being off and having to sit in line at the food pantry right, and all that right. stuff. And it's like it sucked, and it was sucked to like look at other kids who had things. You almost kind of resent like even the color of my skin. Like, oh, maybe if I was white, I wouldn't be poor sure. and stuff. And uh, it was just such a pity party mindset. And uh, that's kind of how I lived my life up until I was like 19 years old. Is honestly um, being almost selfish, just regardless of my circumstances mm -hmm. there was no need for me to be entitled to anything right. this is the cards i've been dealt what am i gonna do about it right? right right so that's kind of the chip on my shoulder that uh kind of fell off when i thought that i had it and i did so <laughs> i got this job at sears and i was a receiving manager i'm like man i'm finally gonna be a manager like, i'm the man <laughs> yeah yeah, and, uh, yeah everybody leaves i'm like man i just gotta keep working hard and i can really make a career for myself at sears with no high school diploma and uh, I got a umbilical hernia. Right. My stomach burst. Jeez. And I was like, man, everything's taken away from me. No, it really wasn't. It was God saying, hey, that's not what the plan I have for you. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to have to take that from you so you can see what I really have planned. Right. So then I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go back into my dance career and be a dancer. Then I'll make some money on the side doing other stuff. Um, so I get into that. And all of a sudden, getting a job at UPS. And my brother's like, man, you need to go back and get, you know, your high school equivalency because I didn't not graduate high school in time because I was stupid. It was because I just gave up on my life. I was like, man, I was like, I was a class president. Right. And I just, right. eventually, the day I got hit hard enough, I fell. Yeah. And uh, he's like, you got You can do so much more. I believe in you. Mm -hmm. So I went back, got it, got it accepted into a technical school, then accepted into the University of Milwaukee. Then I moved to Milwaukee. But right when that all happened, um, I actually was applying to be a supervisor at UPS. I'd only been working there for four months in a trailer. And eventually what ended up happening was just uh, me pushing to see how can I run this operation that's the hardest belt, the yellow belt in the building, in the, to, to at least break even. We actually became the number one uh, belt in the entire building and had the best numbers in the nation. And literally, they're like, Nate, you should run these belts and become a supervisor. Right when I was in Milwaukee, which allowed me to have my first place with one of my homies who actually lives out here now. And that was kind of like my launch pad to realizing something. It was like, if you work really, really, really hard and you look at challenges as an opportunity to win, it will almost always lead to a new opportunity mm -hmm. because there's about 1% of the people that are willing to do that. Right. A lot of people are like, what are you going to do for me? the people waiting for a stimulus check versus going and making themselves a check, right. right? So, like, I think that that's really what's carried over from youth to now is that challenges just have a name. It could be COVID-19 or it could be poverty. But at the same time, a challenge is a challenge. You just got to look at it the same way. Sure, sure. Um, I love how you mentioned 
how you there was a moment where you got you almost got a push when you're younger from someone who was like you've got something in you <clears throat> that uh can help you become you know the person you want to be mm -hmm. and sometimes we you know we need those people early in our lives that just give us that motivation like i remember mm -hmm. um i played football in college in in high school and um i remember one of my receiver coaches Name's Coach Christensen, and I—that's really the only coach I really remember, other than my head coach, obviously. Mm -hmm. And he was always encouraging, like mm -hmm. always encouraged, like just trying to get better, taking it day by day, and mm -hmm. um, not always looking at the result, but just looking at like the effort that I gave. And like mm -hmm. I always remember him, my English teacher, Miss O'Connor. Like she always was encouraging yeah. towards just pushing me to whatever it is I wanted to do. And and so even like now, you know. I'm sure you have a ton of mentors that have helped you get to where you were and or are and you know, yeah. currently like who who are some people that you you know lean on for for advice in in well, situations. I mean, straight up, there's nobody born Saul because uh, without him, I would never even found my way out of that darkness. Because the funny part is, he wasn't like some some tender love either. Right. It was like Nate, right. you have a lot of potential. But do you know what that means? I was like, what? He goes, that means you ain't did shit yet. Right. I was right. like, dang. He's <laughs> like, <laughs> like, so yeah. you got to achieve it before yeah. you celebrate it. It's right. like, you know, I'm like, damn. Like just okay. hard love? Yeah, it's yeah. hard love. He's yeah. like, you stop believing all. Oh, you got talent, you got talent, you got talent. He's like, that's not enough. Yeah. And for him, he had other challenges that I didn't have, but he was still exceeding mm -hmm. me. So now even to this day, you know, when I look at every single barrier I've been in from how I got into college, how I got my job at UPS, that was all I saw. And when I started wow. Ease in the beginning, I was all sales and operations. I did it. But once it got to like getting into venture capital, Saul was like, all right, I'll quit my job. Mm -hmm. I just decided that I'm good at you're not. So like it's always been him, he and I, since as far back as I can remember. For sure. Um, For sure. And then once we got to a point where it was like, all right, we can only take ourselves so far, we started to look for mentors in specific areas. And those areas were where we were weak. Um, I didn't know how to raise venture capital, so I went through an accelerator. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know how to build a sales team, so I got a sales uh, advisor and investor. Mm -hmm. And uh, those are like different types of people that have been amazing to me. But then I've also got friends like you, where it's like, all right, there's the business side of me, but there's the creative side right. that also marries my business have taught me how to realize my visions in ways that I couldn't. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's a countless list of mentors, friends, and family that really make it all work, but you gotta be clear on what you want for anybody to even be able to help you. Like you gotta go to somebody and say, because I could go to any CEO and say, hey man, I would love to learn from you. Damn dude, I, what department? Right. What skill? Right. Like where, what do you need today, right? And that's where you can start looking to, to where you wanna go. Because mm -hmm. if you don't figure that out, don't go waste a mentor's time. Sure. Figure out what you wanna do, who you are, where you wanna be. And if you haven't figured that out yet, Go read some books by Daniel Pink. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think that's beautiful. Even <clears throat> the importance of the family dynamic. You know, mm -hmm. me growing up, I've had my mom and dad in my life my whole life, and they pushed me to continuously be, be better, to thrive, and to 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 go after the the things that I want. And um, you know, my brother has always been pushing me. My 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 cousin, who's my business partner, Ron, has always pushed me to to continuously to not just settle. Um, and I think that's that's important. Mm -hmm. So just kind of switching gears from there. Um, what within your work, uh, what specifically do you do? You do a lot. And mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the one thing I love about you is that you're not willing um, to settle for mm -hmm. whatever is just put in front of you. You're always looking to push the envelope 
you're always looking for new opportunities. Um, so talk about a little bit about the work that you do. And yeah, I mean, I guess the the root of what I do is is almost the same, but it across different industries. So at the core of what I started off was is I was in working in loading trailers, right? That has nothing to do with what I do now, you think, but it does. So I went from ops there to a CERC supervisor, which is a co-chair employee retention committee supervisor. And what that required me to do was to be a listener. And then I also at the same time as an entertainment space, uh, as a dancer, it required me to listen in a different way, listen to body language, listen to how people responded to sound and taste. So um, I just got really, really good at listening. So I was like, man, so if I could control the experiences at work and control the experiences outside of it, I would have the best indication of what happiness looks like for people beyond just myself. So I got really, really fixated on that, a lot of psychological studies, a lot of things like that. And that truth would never be realized without capital. So while learning marketing, I realized that marketing could teach me how to figure out how people engage with their interests and their lifestyle based on where social economics is or what cities and states they live in. Right. So I got really deep into loving digital marketing, ad campaigns, et cetera, which led to me doing it for businesses because it allowed me to have different perspectives while making money and getting data that was interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. So then now I'm literally building a business not around caring as much about selling people's products, even though that was needed to succeed. Uh, it was about the data I could get back and how I could reshape what, how I view the world and how it works from how video is used in, in the process to this real estate is used in the process. Like it all got interesting. So now they're all, Nate, you do everything, don't you? No, I fulfill a specific need in that vertical in multiple businesses. That was just the beginning. So then after I started doing really well marketing, I started to graduate to working with larger businesses. Um, and small businesses is unique. Everybody's all focused on leads and business and revenue. But as you graduate to new heights, it's not as much focused on customer acquisition anymore because they've got their market fit. It's about how do I get feedback on what makes my operation successful from cost control all the way to the customer experience. And that customer experience is impacted by the experience that my people have at work. So how do I get an indicator on how to fix that? Right. Well, I was like, I don't know. Marketing's not the solution, but HR, culture, and people are. Right. So what if I can now figure out how to make people happy? So we started working with a lot of data scientists, uh, certified behavioral consultants, and we literally decided, like, hey, what if we could build a product that indexed culture, personality, behaviors, and then figured out how each one of those people would match when joining a team or... If their skills aren't aligned, what team would they be on? Like, how do we automate the selection process of bringing people together that won't have clashes? Sure, and sure. Um, we made that, right? right? And it took years and lots of research. When that now is taking us into a whole new chapter, where it's like now, you know, we're a people analytics company that staffs marketers, engineers, et cetera. And all of that is done so we can collect more data on people so that we can create better experiences at work. Right. So that's my computer side of me, data side, but then I own bars and restaurants, which allow me to do the same thing. People don't realize from every ad or post I see on social media to when they walk in a door and connect to my Wi-Fi, I have data tracking all the way through. So now I'm like literally looking at two sides of the business, and the coronavirus is, is like crazy because one side it's helping this ecosystem, sure. and this whole new world, virtual world's gone. And the other side is destroying everything that these people know, and there's literally nothing they can do about it until the right. government says open. So it's like, it's crazy to be in these two worlds, but like my job is 
analyzing data to customize experiences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> one thing I, I noted from that is you talking about your chapters and, and knowing, okay, this chapter of my life, I wanted to build ease. And then from building that chapter, I went to another chapter because of what ease mm-hmm. provided. And so for you, what, talk a little bit about, little bit about focus because um, I feel like that's a big thing in this world is that there's so many things that we can do and so many things we can get caught up in. And, you know, how important for mm-hmm. you is focus and how do you find focus? What are some ways maybe people can... can yeah, the best that? way to do it is um, read Gino Wickman's uh, Traction and you're going to utilize the EOS principles. And what it allows you to do is to create value matrices and story matrices. And it's basically a spreadsheet or a document or a piece of paper where you write down what's your business identity, mission, vision, the standard shit that you do when you build a business. Sorry, Madigan. No, no, no. Uh, this is open. Come on now. <laughs> like, so just, the standard, talking. Come on now. standard stuff you do to build a business. And, um, and then from there you go, all right, well, if I'm going to take this action and partner with this company, how does it impact? my vision or mission or values, Mm -hmm. right? And you do that with friends also. Do these people align with vision, values, and mission? And if they do, then do it. And then you say, okay, well, at what phase am I? Mm -hmm. Be real with yourself. Because I talked to somebody recently, like, oh, I want to raise like $5 million, and this, this, and that. Okay, buddy. You don't understand, raising $5 million means you need to return 10 to 12x the capital to investors. And you're going to have 50, you need to have like a $50 million company and you can need to be able to do it in the next like three years. Like, yeah. let's not talk about that. Yes, yeah, <laughs> we got yes. there yet. Like, there's a time yeah. that you have to to, to be to realistic. Use that. Like, realistic, all right, right. You, what's your foundation? Does it match right. your foundation? Does it match with where you are today, and what you want to accomplish in the next like 18 months? Mm-hmm. So, like, that's how you stay focused. It's like 18 month roadmaps, personal and professionally, and then you break those into quarters. And each quarter gets broken down into monthly goals. Monthly goals get broken down to weekly goals, and weekly goals get broken down to daily goals. Yeah. And that's how you create positive routines. Right. So you can find those positive routines through reading uh, some of Daniel Pink's books about drive and motivation and, and how to find like the perfect day. Yeah. Like, there's psychological science to all of this. Right. If you, and I can send all these links to people. Yeah, yeah. And I, I use them for myself. This will be, this is valuable information. I mean, books, obviously, other, other video resources that people mm-hmm. can watch. Um, He's aggressive. Like yeah. I've watched a lot of his, his videos and he's very like he's gonna tell you how it is. Yeah. He's not oh, yeah. gonna cut any corners, he's not gonna fluff anything up. Mm-hmm. And that's what's that's what's that's what's cool. But all right. Uh, so within that, let's talk a little bit about happiness. Mm-hmm. Just finding your happiness. Um, we obviously we want to work we need to work that's what that's what life essentially um has become within america it's like we got to work to make a living um within that how do you how do you go about finding your happiness i'm um, staying true to your core beliefs staying true to your interests mm-hmm. outside of you know making a making an income well i think a lot of it has to do with um is like we talked about earlier visualization of problems and thinking problems that attract you um, because realistically happiness comes from progress so if you feel like you're progressing, you feel like you're moving forward, uh, regardless of what forward looks like to you, then you're good, right? Um, and one thing that works is if you were to take your entire day, you know, your ideal day, or maybe you just take a weekday and a weekend day. And what, you, what I did in the beginning was I said, all right, 
every hour I'm going to write down on a scale of 1 to 10, how happy am I? And then how much money did I make in that hour? It could be $0, it could be $20, it could be $100. And I did that throughout an entire day. I was actually able to index which things I enjoyed doing and didn't like doing and how much money I made or lost while doing them. And if I had to look at it, I was like, all right, the things that I make, I made the most money and had the least happiness at this scale. Or maybe I made the most money and I was moderately happy. Or maybe I was really, really happy and I made a lot of money. Well, why wouldn't I spend more of my time doing that, right? So that's kind of like, you know, phase one of looking at yourself to figure out what happiness looks like for you. But a lot of that also is supported by your core values. Um, and that's what you have to identify those. You know, I know a lot of people, especially if you're in the service or industries, your core values may be different than somebody who's grew up in a more um, professional business environment where it's more of an office environment, right? Sure. So with those core values are different, you have to figure out are where you are today and what you're doing today match with those or are you being pushed outside of them? So I would say, like, if you know that and your job aligns, then you'll be good. Because a lot of the data that I even get back with organizations and why they don't like their jobs and this or that, it's just the belief systems and culture I'm matching up. It's not that they weren't capable. So um, that's one thing. And then, you know, for me, I love creating experiences. I mean, I've done that since I was 16, man. We had this party called the Jump Off at the YMCA. Oh, yeah. I was like, let's go. We sell $5 <laughs> tickets in Red Bull. Right, and it was right. like, and the look and the feeling that I get, like even at my bars, like when I look out at the crowd, I'm not seeing dollars. I'm like, look at the fact that like, I've had people get engaged there, meet their significant oh, others, wow. like pay for their student debt. Like, Special. it's so cool that even 1800 miles away, I look on my phone and watch people like having a time of their life from something I created. Or like with ease, you know, it's like, I have people and families saying they get to spend more time with their kids, less time in the car, being able to have more jobs, more income, because of something we created. And like, the impact I'm having on somebody else's life uh, supersedes uh, any amount of money I can make. Right, right. Um, impact on people's lives, that's a, that's a, great, that's a great way to look at it. Um, because it's, it's easy to become self-centered. It's easy to become self-motivated and get caught up in your ego on what I need to do. But um, when you start to, to, to project the idea that this isn't about me, this is about how I can build everyone else up, build experiences for everyone else to enjoy, um, that's when it doesn't become work. It becomes mm -hmm. just a part of life. That's, that's extremely important. Um, you're a data guy. Data is your mm -hmm. thing. You love analyzing data, talking about data. Um, tell us where that came from. Data. Just... Honestly, man, like, I didn't even like math before. Uh, <laughs> 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 like, it was never like, no, no. I think a lot of it came from not wanting to fail and, uh, and, and uncertainty. Yeah. I don't like uncertainty. So I get that closer feeling of certainty by looking at things the right way. I realized that my emotions typically would lead me in the wrong way because the past, the way humans succeeded in life was our intuition. We would base it off what we've seen, what we felt, what we tasted, and maybe past experiences that other people had. And when that perspective was largely limited to your environment, you know, or the people you interacted with. But what the internet allowed us to do was to be able to capture what other people's experiences are in real time in a much larger scale. Um, and then to interpret that. So it allowed me to realize my own biases, realize my limitations in my perspective, um, realize that there's ways that things can work in different environments and from different perspectives. So by doing that, I realized that if I could understand data, that I would never be 
lost or uncertain. Uncertain, right? Yeah. Right. It's provided you with that. Um, just or less uncertain. Or less, we, we never, never know. know. Yeah, it's so <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. It's, 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 but it, it's a higher percentage chance mm-hmm. that you'll, you'll understand it if you have this, the, the data behind it. And so data, within that, within that idea, um, how do you analyze? How do you go by analyzing? What, what yeah, I mean, uh, so one of the base, best ways if you're going to approach it with marketing um, is understanding what like Facebook really is. Maybe that's a good start for everybody. It's free. You don't have to spend any money to like be able to test it. Is start with Facebook Pixel. Uh, start with understanding how your newsfeed works and how social works. It's not like how cool your pictures are realistically. Yeah. It's does your content match the format or the intent that the users are looking for. Um, so if you're building travel content or if you're building a certain specific type of content, does your style of content match with the most successful trending pieces of content online or does it not? And you'll be able to figure it out by putting pixel on your blogs, on your ads, and on everything else. Now you're collecting data um, inside of a dashboard that's free to view. Uh, you can do it with Google, same thing. Um, another thing you can do it with is... Um, SEO and, and, and search traffic. I mean, there's a limitless amount of ways that you could apply it. What I would say is find something interesting to you, like in the form of video. If you're a videographer um, or if you're a content creator or something, well, how do you judge the success of your content? Oh, I, I love this in this tone or this is red. Okay, well, if your customers and users can click through rates like 1%, your intuition was wrong. But if it says, and it, when it's that tone, it gets 30% more engagement rate, now you say, hey, I create successful pieces of content that convert, mm-hmm. not just I create great videos. Yeah. You add on that and. And that's where data becomes valuable to a creator. Um, and as a business owner, just look at your bank account. That's where data is most important. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, we, have the, we have these data, not data, but we have these content talks all the time. Mm-hmm. And just share, share videos, share our own personal content. Um, because we just have a love for it. Mm-hmm. I have a love for content, just creating it um, and just figuring out um, how to make it look better. And um, you help me with the side of, okay, how can I apply how it looks to, okay, how are other people going to perceive mm-hmm. it and intake it and um, make, you know, make it convert to whatever yeah, exactly. I want it to convert to. And so I think that's really cool. Let's talk about content. Mm-hmm. Um, what's some of your favorite type of content? What's content do you, because you create content as yeah. well. What, what, are, what are some things you really um, enjoy creating? My, my, my perspective on this is, is always going to include bias as I, I'm a, largely in a B2B experience. I've never had a full-time job. I've never worked in an office setting. So, like, my interactions are largely um, with peer-to-peer, right? So, I, what I like to consume in terms of content is content that's actionable um, and clear and with its intent. So, a lot of people... Um, it's it's the guru era, right? So it's all this guru talk where it's motivational dialogue can be really relevant because that's what got me to where I am today. But at a certain level, motivation doesn't turn into what I'm looking for is growth. So I look for pieces of content that help me learn more about me or other people, help me run my business more efficiently. Um, I'm willing to pay a premium for that content because things that aren't out there for everyone to know, it's hard to find nowadays. Like, can I get some real solid information that isn't a blog that's greeted with an ad to sell exactly. your product? So I'm like, exactly. dang it. This it's is like you're digging and shuffling yeah. your clothes just to find the one thing that mm-hmm. you want, yeah. And that's because those guys know search engine ad, they know traffic, they know how to hack an algorithm, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best piece of content. It could just mean that 
this person just knows the algorithm better. So um, I just look deep and far for pieces of content that are developmental, um, but with real depth. Um, right. But then there's other forms of content where on my other side, if I'm not in my business setting, you know, like I love seeing cinematic cinematography that like really captures what life looks like through the lens. Because I swear to God, like when you can look back on an experience through that lens, sometimes it's better than what you actually experience. I know that was fun. Like this, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's like yeah. that's the thing I love that. Like, like my ultimate look, I tell you this all the time, is like, man, I just want to make it really, really good, really far and like build a big media company or something because it'd be so great to be able to capture those experiences because I don't necessarily think that the, the big media companies of the day understand what we really want to consume. Right. It's just what they're used to. I can't wait for that next wave of content that is raw, authentic. And because that's what we cannot find right we now. We can't find it. We well, nobody find can it believe anything they hear. It's tough. It's <laughs> tough, and it's like everything is, is, is make you put put the makeup on it and gloss it up and glamorize it. And there's not enough of man. I just woke up on the shitty side of the bed today, and I'm I feel like crap. I don't feel like mm-hmm. anything or. Um, I'm going through it with my girl, or I'm going through it. Yeah. You know, I'm having trouble. Like stuff Sylvester puts out there. there. Yeah, like, like the real authentic, mm-hmm. and it's like everything, everything that you, we see, majority, I would say 95% of it is everything is good. Mm-hmm. All my relationships are good. All my friendships are good. And we all know that's not the truth. Yeah, I, I told, told people, people I was like, like I'm losing 50 grand a week. It's not good. Right. I'm not happy about it. Right. So it's like, what are other people doing? How can we help each other? Put more out there. We've got to be, we've got to be transparent. We've got to be vulnerable, man. That's, that's what I want this to be. I mean, we talk about content. This is content, but I want it to be, obviously we're, we've got a great backdrop. And I think, locations like this filming a location like this i never want to put out content that's i'm i'm here and you're here i want oh, it to absolutely. be motivation i want it to be like these are places that are real mm-hmm. that you can access if you if you give effort if you if you put yourself in a position to learn about and surround yourself with the right people right like like people think like oh like last week you know i realized per- perception and insecurity can lead people you know I'm a humble person, and my mentor takes me an opportunity to fly to Malibu and be in a pretty extravagant mansion in a private jet. And everyone's like, immediately thinks, oh, I didn't think you would be like this, or why are you so just I'm like, where did all this come from? Where did all the 30 years of my life of work come from? Not in the context of saying, hey, oh, wow, or nothing, or like, hey, I'm with my mentor who's spending time with me and blessed me with an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, why go that route, right? And, and it's not because you want to flex or show off. It's more one of those things where it's like, hey, if you work hard and you surround yourself with the right people, those people will see something in you that may put you ahead of where you're supposed to be. It's that, oh, fake it till you make it. That's not the case. No, no. Every All your rappers, they don't own those chains. Let's rent it. <laughs> like, they, that's fake it till you make it. But at the same time, it's part of branding, right? It's, hey, if I'm going to be out in the, in the scene and I'm going to be building my relationships with amazing and highly valuable people, I'm going to show you that somebody from nothing can attain this, so can you. There's a difference between, like, I won't say who, some people on, like, YouTube, they're always taking pictures in front of Lamborghinis. They literally pay to rent it all out and set it up. And then they lie and say they're business gurus, they get people's money, and they never offer them value. That's not appropriate. But if you literally, this is not like, this is normal life for us, yeah. right? This is a, we're blessed to have great friends. But it didn't look like this two years ago. For sure. For sure. And that's, 
even you, sp- you speak about the hip hop uh, community and most of those hip hop, those rappers, we know where they're from. They mm-hmm. talk about where they're from in their music. Like they talk about the struggle. They talk about maybe if there's, they had connections with violence and mm-hmm. anything like that. Like it's transparent that, and that's the big thing. It's like transparency. Like a lot of the guys that we talk about on YouTube, like you mentioned on YouTube, we don't know anything about the background. Yeah. They're just like show up. With all of a sudden, you got a Lamborghini like, yesterday. What's the journey, man? I've never even, but all right, or their business name's been real. Yeah. You know, people are like screenshotting Shopify accounts, and and it's it's a lot of a fraudulent market. Mm-hmm. Um, but the authenticity comes from showing the whole thing. You gotta show the whole and if we show the whole thing, you can't be mad. Right. Just, right. If your life doesn't match somebody else's, then go out and grind, right? And I think that that's really, too, is like that, that envy is a problem nowadays. It's plaguing society, it's plaguing our youth, it's pushing people to go more extreme on content where they're losing their lives or getting hurt or putting themselves out there in ways that they can never retract. So I think that authenticity is one thing, but also values is another. And internet bullying hits all ages. It does, 100%. It's real. Um... And so for you, how, you know, seeing how currently this stage, this is this podcast is focused on millennials. We're millennials, and and we grew up in a really really interesting time, I believe, because we know what it's like to not have an iPhone in our MapQuest. Like, yeah, yeah. Like we're on MapQuest. Why didn't you <laughs> tell me the terms? <laughs> like, I, I printed out the sheet. Yeah, I can tell what point eight miles was. Exactly. Like, we understand what it's like to go outside of our house and not be connected to any virtual mm-hmm. world. Like, we're just living. I mean, we had Game Boys and yeah. you know, like, <laughs> oh yeah, action figures and stuff. And we're like, our growing up, we were we were face to face. We're looking you in the eye. We're mm-hmm. gonna tell you how it is and and talk to you. Um, about what's happening right now. It's not going to mm-hmm. be anything virtual. And so what's your perspective on just how, how from you being a, a kid until now, how technology has just transformed? Man, uh, I work a lot with the youth through Don Wetrick's program, Started Up Foundation, and I've seen the transformation in the eras. Uh, I can tell you pros and cons of both eras. You know, the youth has greater and rapider access to knowledge, which accelerates their learning, and now they're getting patents in high school. Amazing, right? But it also accelerates their growth cycle and their exposure to things that they should, may, should or maybe shouldn't be exposed to. Um, is that a bad thing? No. Maybe they grow up faster, but we haven't been designed to have the right school systems and parenting processes to be able to handle that. So then the ancillary effect of it leads to a parent feeling lost, um, disconnected, a child feels disconnected or lost, and increased barriers to those relationships. Now, us, we didn't get that rapid access to knowledge, but we had closer family groups, we had to literally visualize our, our imaginary like things that we can now just turn on a computer and like it's yeah, right that, there. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean it's, it's like a Dreamcast. That, that was like amazing. amazing right? yeah. You oh got a Dreamcast? Dreamcast. <laughs> the algorithm yeah. blowing out the cartridges. Oh, yeah. like, yeah. You're on the last boss. It's yeah. over. Yeah. So like that, that was different, but we said, hey, we didn't have to rely on it as much. We had to park your out your families. We had to really, really build relationships differently, but we couldn't grow as fast. We couldn't learn as fast. Then the smartphone came out that right during the time we transitioned into adulthood. So we were able to apply, a lot of us, a business-minded set to that digital transformation, and we turned it into the things that you see today, which are some of the greatest products ever known to man. But if you're presented with this acceleration of knowledge before your mental maturity stage, that's why children that are so young are overwhelmed with porn now at 10 years old and stuff like that. Like their parents give them a smartphone with no parental barriers. 
and now they're in schools with kids a little bit older than them. They're finding out about things they shouldn't know about, and now their psyche is negatively impacted for life. How do we adjust? Not really sure. You know, this is going to have to be an evolution of education, an evolution of parenting. But both generations are beautiful, and the next generation is going to be far better than this one. So there's no doubt that Gen Z will be superior in what they create and in their intellect, but I hope we don't lose those values. Right, and that's key. Holding on to those values are key. And it's important for us to, when we have kids, is to continue to teach those values that we learn from our parents and grandparents. And um, if we don't do that, then this new generation won't have that, that understanding of, what life like was what life was like for our parents mm-hmm. in the fifties and sixties, yeah. and what our life was like in the eighties and nineties, and it's just we just gotta we have to continue to to pass that down. Yeah, I think it's important because the thing is that is that so many people are focused, and it's not the majority of the population. It's just the socialites that believe that this is the majority of the world want to be famous or are known on Instagram or this or that, but they're putting the cart ahead of the horse. You don't want to be recognized until you got something that's worthy of being recognized about. Because if that recognition comes too soon, you're going to be recognized for something that you are ashamed of than proud of. Because say some people, man, I want a million followers on Instagram. I want to be famous. What if I gave you that, right? And then you got to think about something. There's a reason why Drake comes out with so many songs back to back. Does so well. Has been made to manage being on tour. And all these different artists are achieving so much. Because when you get that level of success, it's not... It's not uh, optional. You have to grind. You now lose that level of simplicity that you may miss. Sometimes I miss that, right? Like, man, now I have all these businesses. I'm doing these things. I miss simple stuff sometimes. So, like, are you really ready for that? You know, you just got to really think. No, you can't. If you wanted to be successful, you cannot. There's people's money involved, right? Like, even the artists you know, there's reason that they can't just go to another label. They sell their likeness as a company which people own shares in oh, i don't want to make music no more well great here's a lawsuit exactly. <laughs> like, you signed this contract yeah. saying you would do x and if you don't want to do x we're gonna take it's gonna be gone because this isn't a game guys like your influencer work anything you want to create if you want anything to achieve a higher level of success uh it's gonna have to be a company and that company comes with a lot of responsibilities right. yeah, it does man Man, I appreciate your time, Nathan, man. It's, this was awesome. Um, you know, we dived in. I think, you know, for you, you provide a different, a, a very unique, different perspective, man, because um, you're the smartest person I know. Um, and for you, <laughs> I'm just you're one of the smartest people I've ever met. And um, for you to be from where you're from and you had access to knowledge just like everybody else had access to knowledge, and you took that. Um, and you, you applied it, you applied it and you're continuously applying it, man. So, you know, it's all love. I, if mm-hmm. you want to leave, leave, leave us with something, man, like, you know, talk, tell us what ease is and, and also, you know, leave us with. Yeah. I think the thing that I could leave is that, you know, I, I'm addicted to these topics and I, I, I break them out into separate groups. Best way to find out more about us and not really for any benefit is to go to itsease.com slash academy. Everything we talk about here, even books I read, everything, like I'm sharing they're all on there. And I've got a lot of amazing speakers and different people that we feature that may not even have anything to do with my business, but I just want to get their voice out there. So go ahead and check us out at itsease.com slash academy. Cool. Awesome. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can expect to hear a new episode every Tuesday. To show support, leave a review and share this podcast with friends. Thanks and see you next time.